It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show, which means we're going to get into some text messages, and we are also going to have the 400-pointer. That's right, 400 points. What three-word question did Pontius Pilate utter after Jesus said he had come into the world to testify to the truth? 0491-064-669 is the number to call for 400 points. You can win yourself a bargain book or get you know your points on the board, answer the question correctly, join the bragging rights crew. But again, that question was... What three-word question did Pontius Pilate utter after Jesus said he had come into the world to testify to the truth? Okay, if you know the answer, 0491 Going to the text messages. Uh, first message here says, Another awesome commute to work. Thanks, team. Well, praise oh, God. Cute. There then you we go. have this one. I've uh, got a few text messages. Let me just see here. Scroll back through all of these. <clears throat> Black holes and the like. Yes, I also remember the good old days. Uh, I agree with you, Lyle. We should not have gone to the Chinese Olympics. I would appreciate, uh, while I appreciate the hard work the Olympians have mm. to do and only get to compete every four years, it's morally wrong. The list of world abuse from China is too long to mention, including True. the gift of COVID 19. Politics <laughs> has no morals. Well, you know, COVID 19 is debatable enough that I'm not going to go there. Mm. What's not debatable is the persecution of people of faith. That's right. Mm. And so that's my reason mm. um, why, yeah. Anyway, um, but at the same time, I think we should celebrate the fact that, yeah, these guys have gone there and they've done a, a, a great job and mm. they have excelled in their in their field. Mm. 62% support illegal immigration. What is the use of the immigration department? Surely we understand that the mass illegal immigration in the US is backed by the Catholic Church to change the demographics and vote via the New World Order. Uh, people are being used for, wow. their, used for their purpose. Real refugees should be helped. Mm. Many wars around the world are planned for mass exodus and pain to change the political landscape. Very sad state of affairs. It's an interesting text, and you know it's a concept that's often thrown into the um, into the bucket of conspiracy theory. But this is something that we know from history does mm. take place from time to time, mm -hmm. where demographics are intentionally changed by other countries to change the vote of those other countries. What's interesting is that the refugees that are flooding into the United States are coming from Central America. Mm. And they are not voting along the lines of the Catholic Church because they are voting Republican rather than Democrat mm. because they're coming from socialist countries and they're like, no, we, we, we left that, we don't want that here. Um, so as far as the voting bloc goes, it will be interesting to see what the future holds. But, you know, we have to remember that this is how the state of Israel was created. Mm. It was created by people immigrating until there was enough of them to take over. <laughs> yeah. That's, mm. that's, that's essentially, you know, the history of what took place. So this is not something that is unusual to history or has never taken place. Um, and it will be interesting to see actually how this... How this... Because the interesting thing about the Catholic voting bloc in America is that it does tend to vote as a block and it does tend to follow the church rather than one party or the other. Mm. And it does tend to swing mm -hmm. with the church rather than with the party. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the future. Um, yeah. Stay tuned. Anyway, you were talking about perfume this morning. Kelvin was talking about perfume. 
Uh, God wears the perfume of love, coming from the text message. Oh, true. Mm. I don't doubt that perfume companies have attempted or achieved in using the holy recipe to make very expensive perfume. I'm sure that God will repay them accordingly for the love of money they sell their souls. Oh, interesting. Anyway, uh, Freco's got this to say, the illegal... The illegal immigrants are poor. The legal have wealth. That's the general way. Absolutely. There's no question mm. about that. And the wealthy have a moral responsibility to help the poor mm. uh, and to find the best and most effective ways of doing that. I'm not convinced that creating a precedent that does away with the rule of law is the best way of doing that. Mm. Um, if the laws need to change, we need to change the laws not break the laws. Mm. I, I think there is just, yeah. I like you said, need to change the law. There is just need to assess the situation and to come up with the solution of the... And, and to be able to... come. Sorry, I butted in. Nah, just, just on the point of classification, like the, I think that's the, the, that's the most important thing. We were having a discussion off air about um, North and South Korea. Yes. And basically, so, so if you're a North Korean defector, um, if you make it to South Korea... You are branded as a refugee and supported by the government and, and helped out and given citizenship and all those kinds of things. But the main way to get to South Korea from North Korea is not by crossing the DMZ because it's full of soldiers. It's not by going into the sea because you usually don't have the resources to take a boat. It's usually by going through China in which as a, as a defector from North Korea, you are classed as an illegal immigrant into China. And if you get caught in China, they send you back to North Korea. And if they send you back more than three times, you get executed. And so, that, like, the problem there... The Chinese don't care about that. Yeah, yeah they're, like, you're North Korean. You're not Chinese. Like, CCP good, we're talking about. Good, goodbye. Um, but even in the United States, like, you have... If you... Um, if, if, like, we're talking about, like, um, illegal immigrants from Central America. If you're a defector from Cuba... You're also classed as a refugee. Like if you can make it to the United States and the United States will give you citizenship and, and hook you up because they have assessed the situation in Cuba and they've said, Oh, people who are escaping from Cuba usually have their lives threatened. It's a s- similar situation. Like if you live in Cuba, you're, you're G, but like if you're trying to actively escape, a lot of them end up dying because they get returned to their country and killed. Um, so I, I think there is just, yeah, need to really assess the situation and say like, okay, you know, where are these people at? Why why are they coming here? And what can we do for them? And I really liked what you said, Lyle, in terms of, like, if there is a need to turn back illegal immigrants, there's also a need. Obviously, they're trying to come to this country because of some problem in their own country. And we need to support them in that. Like, we need to do our due diligence in supporting developing countries. So here's one of the questions that goes through my mind. And, and there's a, and there's a, this would be a big, you know, subject to talk about. But immigrants who make it, Illegal immigrants that make it to another country are usually the wealthier ones of those countries. That's right. Because and, and the dirt poor, they don't even try and and, and get mm, out. They just and can't. if we use all of our resources supporting the wealthy from those countries, then uh, that means that we're unable to support the poor from those countries. Mm. Um, and I don't think that's equitable. Mm. We need to be focusing our resource on the people who need it the most, not That's the people right. who need it, need it the least. And those mm. who have the resources to actually make it to another country are the ones who need it the least. Mm. It's the ones in the country who don't have those resources that, that need it the most. Now, the problem is that as you know, as governments and so forth, we just get selfish. Oh, totally. And, uh, you know, we don't support anyone. 
Yeah. I mean, it's not true. We we do a lot of support and we do a lot of aid around the world, and that's a good thing. Um, and that's a uh, I'm, I'm glad that we do, but. I do believe there is so much more that can be done. Yeah, and it's often because like that support can be very politically motivated. Yes, and 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 because oh, it helps posturing. Story right there. <laughs> so oh, don't even get started on it. Mm. Uh, finally, Freco says there are hundreds of beautiful smells in the garden. Man will never be able to equal. Mm. Amen. That's so true. Mm. All right, let's go to our Bible study, and we are up to Hebrews chapter 6. Yes, let's go. It is week 6 of the quarter. There are 13 weeks in a quarter, and there are 13 chapters in the book of Hebrews. That's right, and we're doing all of them. All right, so we're just going to start here. Um, Well, actually, we're going to – we've been given a verse to memorize this week. Oh, okay. So – and I'm going to tell a little bit of a story Mm-hmm. In relationship to this verse, personal experience. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've had one too. I don't know. If you have, then give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but let's go to our verses that we have been given to memorize. And this is your challenge for the week. I want to see if somebody can memorize it this week. Uh, call us up on Friday and recite it word for word without reading it. Anyway, it is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Mm. Lawson, you want to read those ones for us? This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both secure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so this is a great verse because it's about hope. Mm. And it's also about an anchor. An anchor for the soul. Mm. An anchor is a really good thing, both both secure and steadfast. Dead fast. Mm. Okay, so we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about that. I'm going to tell some uh, anchor stories, and let's see if you've got some that you can share as well. Oh, interesting. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So this mate who had a yacht, <laughs> and it was like a 60-footer, so a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, not somebody I knew incredibly well, and... Uh, He's like, oh yeah, let's 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 go out. Yes. I'm like, absolutely, we'll go out on your yacht. It's just, <laughs> it's just me and him. And uh, what I didn't realize was that both the yacht, well, it was just the whole situation was incredibly unprepared. Mm. And so the first thing about the yacht that was interesting was that there was a lot of slack in the steering. Mm. So it had a wheel, not a not a tiller. Okay. And you'd spin the wheel and it would take a whole slew of time. A whole lot of spins. A whole lot of spin before the rudder started to actually move. Oh, okay. That is... So that was really off-putting because it was kind of hard, very difficult to hold it in a straight line. Mm. Uh, Anyway, so we we, we head out on this yacht. We uh, cruise around for a bit and then we head back in. When we're heading back in, the wind came up. Yeah, it's just... We're up in in the river now, so you're not dealing with waves. Mm -hmm. You're just dealing with wind. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of wind, like howling wind, like 40, 50 knots of wind. Oh, wow. Yeah, like really screaming through. So the wind has come right up and blowing down the river where the mooring was. Mm -hmm. Now, coming up onto a mooring is pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. You come up into the wind. um, All of the other yachts in the anchorage are hanging back off of uh, off of their mooring, pointing exactly the same direction, and so you mm. just come up onto your mooring. Um, you ease up at an idle nice and slowly. Uh, your crew member goes up onto the bow with a boat hook. Mm. Um, there's a loop on the top of the buoy, 
Uh, you put the boat hook into the loop. You pull the buoy up onto the deck. Uh, throw the uh, you, 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 your skipper throws the um, the gearbox into neutral, uh, and you just shackle yourself to the mooring, and it's all done. Yeah. What I didn't realise was that old mate didn't have a boat hook. Oh, that is a problem. It's a major problem, particularly on a 60-footer, because on a 60-footer, it's not like you can just reach over the side yeah, yeah, and yeah. grab the boy. It is too far down. That's right. Right? And so um, he's, he's not got a boat hook, um, and uh, the rudder has got all this slack in it, and so as you're coming up onto the mooring, the wind is trying to push you one way or the other. Mm. So not only, not only... Not only did we not have a boat hook, but with the rudder the way it was, she wouldn't she wouldn't come up onto the mooring. Mm. She'd blow off the mooring this way, she'd blow off the mooring that way, um, and then it's like, well, how are we going to grab this thing? And the theory was that you come up beside it and you know lean over the side down near the stern and grab hold of it, uh-huh. and then run it up to the front. Well, you can't really do that either in that kind of a wind because the buoy is hanging all the way back on its anchor chain yeah. as far as it possible. There's no slack. Yeah. And so the only way you can do that is to let the boat drift back. But as soon as the boat drifts back, it drifts off of the mooring and reefs it out of your hand. Uh-huh. Um, he did have a short gaff hook that you use for gaffing fish, uh, which was just next to useless. And so we really struggled to come up on this mooring. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it was like, nah, forget this, never going to happen. Um, just anchor up in the middle of the river and uh, we'll crash here on the boat for the night and sort it out in the morning once the wind, wind goes down, which is, you know, ultimately what we did. But what was interesting is we had, had to anchor in the river because, you know, we needed to anchor away from all of the other boats and it was a long reach in mm. the river. And so the wind was howling down the middle of that river. And and we're hanging off an anchor, not a mooring. Mm. It's a very different feeling hanging, hanging off an anchor in the, rather than a mooring because it's like, you know, what, what happens if the anchor drags? Yeah, it just starts moving. You know, yeah. The moorings are like a massive block of concrete is never going to go anywhere. But mm. an anchor is a different kettle of fish. Sometimes mm. anchors do drag. This mm. is a thing. And there's a lot of strain, a lot of strain on that on that anchor cable. Mm. And so it didn't actually, it didn't, it wasn't actually that great for, you know, because uh, when you looked at the river and you looked at the bend in the river, if, if we were to drag, drag the anchor, we would have ended up on the rocks, not just on a sandbar. And that would have been, you know, um, less than ideal. And so it, it, it became one of those nights where you sort of, you'd get up every couple of hours and just have a look at the markings. Just make sure you're not... So have a look out, and of course it's pitch dark and you can't really see many markings, but you sort of line it up, it's like, okay, have we moved or have we not moved? Mm. It, just sort of, it just sort of nags in the back of your head. And it's one of these things I love about this verse right here where it says we have this, this hope, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both secure and steadfast. Because I spent several other nights on this same yacht, mm-hmm. on the mooring. Mm-hmm. And the mooring is an anchor that is secure and it's steadfast and you never have to worry about it dragging. Yeah, that's right. I've been in boats where the anchor is dragged. Mm. It's like, yeah, that anchor's dragging. We need to uh, we need to move to a more sheltered position. Um, we need to lift the anchor, reposition it, whatever it might be. I've had that. It happens from time to time. Anchors are not moorings. Mm. They are just anchors. There mm. is no guarantee with an anchor. You know, with a mooring... 
I think there are very few moorings that ever drag. Yeah, anchors are made to be pulled up. That's right. And moorings are not. <laughs> no, if you're gonna pull up, if you're gonna pull a mooring, you're gonna get one of those massive barges in it with a massive crane on it. Yeah. And there's quite a bit of effort involved in moving a mooring, whereas, as you say, anchors are designed to be to be lifted and to be pulled up. And so, it was. Uh, you know, I read this right here, and it's like we have this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both secure and steadfast. This is a massive block of concrete. This is mm. a huge mooring that we have right here mm. uh, that ke- gives us security. And one of the things that human beings really struggle with in life is insecurity. Yes, we all have our insecurities. Every mm. single one of us have our insecurities, and insecurities can really affect our life. They can cripple us at times. Mm. We need to recognize what our insecurities are so that when we are feeling insecure, we recognize, okay, this is my insecurity that is coming in here rather than necessarily, you know, what is real. But at the same time, we can remember that we have an anchor of the soul Mm. that gives us security. And there is nothing like the security that comes from Jesus Christ. Because when you know Jesus when you have given your life to Jesus, when Jesus is living in your life, when Jesus is changing your life, Mm. when you have all of those evidences as a part of your life, then all kinds of things can happen around you and you have that security. It's like, well, bad stuff is happening. However, uh, I have security in Jesus Mm. Christ. You can always come back to that. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's kind of how Hebrews comes to an end with, you know, that promise where Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. And that's what ultimately gives us the the security. Now, what's interesting about this anchor is where it is placed. Yes. Oh, I was, this is the exciting part. All right, awesome. Well, the second half of this, well, the Where second is the half of this, place? because okay, and, and, and let me let me talk more about uh, boats and so forth because I love boats and so forth. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of the time, when we throw out an anchor, we'll throw out a sand anchor, and it is anchoring to a sandy bottom. Mm-hmm. And a sandy bottom can be a great place to anchor, but you know, a boat can drag on a sand anchor, can you know, drag itself through the sand because mm-hmm. it's sand. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you don't anchor up on the sand, you anchor up on the rocks and you throw out a different kind of anchor, a rock anchor. Mm. Now, the challenge with rock anchors is sometimes they can get stuck. Yeah. like And you can't get them back up again. And there can be all kinds of different tricky ways you have of getting a rock anchor back up off of the bottom. Um, but I... Uh, and the reason is because of where a rock anchor can end up. You know, if it goes down into a underground cave and falls down a hole, it can lock itself in there. Yeah. And it's there to stay. And you're done. That's right, because it goes inside of something else. Mm-hmm. It's not just dragging across the surface, but a rock anchor can go inside of something. Mm. All right, tell us where this anchor is. This anchor, in the second half of this 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 passage, it says, which enters the presence Behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, uh, having become high priest forever, according to the order of of Melchizedek. Okay, so here's the picture. I want you to picture this in your mind. Your anchor has gone into the sanctuary. Yes. It's gone into something. So it's gone through the first door of the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. It's gone through the second door of the sanctuary. 
and it's gone into the presence of God. This is like a rock anchor that's fallen down a cave. Mm. When you get a rock anchor that falls down a cave, you may as well call it a mooring. Mm. It's never going to move. It's gonna, no, no. It is there to stay. Mm. And if you ever want to move off of it, just put a buoy on top and uh, keep it there for the future. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Talking about the anchor, the anchor of the soul, both secure and steadfast, is not just anchored in the sanctuary, it's not just anchored in the holy place, it is anchored in the most holy place. Mm. You can't go deeper into the sanctuary than the most holy place. Mm-hmm. This is this has gone into a place where that anchor is never going to move. You can move off that anchor, you know, you can untie from it. That's if you right. Want, mm. But that anchor is never moving. Oh, okay. We can talk about this in one second when, after I give the 500-point quiz yes. question. Right. Okay, right. for 500 points, what servant girl, in her excitement at learning Peter was out of prison and at the door, left him knocking while she ran to tell the other disciples? Yikes. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call. And for 500 points, you can win our uh, book for today, Boldly Brave, God's Courageous Champions by Kristen A. Roggenkamp and Heather Blair. Um, all about amazing ca- Bible characters who, who won all kinds of battles and different things. It's actually about a biblical women, uh, girls, women, men, boys, like young, old people who did incredible things for God. But again, that question was for 500 points. What servant girl in her excitement at learning Peter was out of prison and at the door left him knocking while she ran to tell the other disciples? Yes, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, it's kind of a, Bit of a random thing to do to leave someone knocking at the door while you go and tell everyone like who's at the door. It's like that's the first thing. So, so she's a bit of a bit this girl. Uh, and the second thing is it's not really that great when you've got uh, somebody who has escaped from prison, legitimately, legitimately escaped from prison. Yeah, to just leave him standing outside in the street in the open. <laughs> you know, he's probably quietly knocking on the door like, okay, let me in, get me off the street. I need to get off the streets right now. It's like, uh, guys, come and look at this. And then it's like, he's outside. It's like, it's like the Queen of England comes and knocks at your door and you're like, instead of letting her in, you're just like, guys, look, he's at my door right now. Speaking of the Queen of England, oh, congratulations on her jubilee. Yeah, that's Seven, right. 70, 70 years, years serving. 70 years, well done. Oh, great job. Yeah. Let's pray that she uh, continues to. Yep. Do, do a great job. Do a great job. All right. The, in the sanctuary. In the sanctuary. The rock in we the have, sanctuary. The we have an anchor anchored mm. to the rock in the sanctuary. Yes. So this is not a sand anchor we're talking about. This is a rock mm. anchor, and it's gone down into the sanctuary, and it is never going to move. Ah, oh, there's so much, like, powerful symbolism here. I think it's, like, this idea that the only way to enter the sanctuary was to be cleansed from sin yourself was to be someone yes. who is holy, someone who is worthy. And it's like to say that your an- anchor is in the most holy place of the sanctuary is to say that, like, like you are tied, you are connected to perfection. You know, you know, like we have that analogy that Jesus gives in the parable. Don't build your house on the sand, build it on the rock, right? And the whole idea of building your house on the sand is, is things that are corruptible, things that are of this world, things that will ultimately not hold you up. Why? Because they're not perfect. Whereas the rock, it's like this symbol of p- perfection. It's a symbol of like, it's never going to move. It's never going to break. It's always going to be there. And it's like the only way to en- enter into the sanctuary, as I said before, was to be 
sinless, was to be holy. And that's like the illusion here of this uh, that Paul is making when he's writing this is like Christ has entered the most holy place of the sanctuary because he is perfect, he is sinless, he is holy, and he's your high priest who is giving you the ability to be all those things. And he is our anchor. Like, he is our connection to God. Like, he is staying steadfast. Like, there's no way, like... Perfection can't move. Like, perfection can't be broken down. Perfection can't... That chain isn't going to snap. Like, it's there. It's there to stay. Like, it's perfect. And, and and you know, this passage, you know, as we go through Hebrews chapter 6, is going to lead up to this, up to this thought by talking about the fact that Jesus will never let us down. Jesus will never leave us or forsake mm. us. You know, there's a great promise that you've got in, um, you know, in the Gospel of John where, you know, Jesus is talking about those that are his... Mm and that no one can take them out of his hand. Mm. You know, I love the security that comes with that. No one can force me to leave Jesus Christ. That's right. Now, can we untie ourselves from the anchor? Yes, you can always do that. That is always an option. Mm. But the question is, you know, why would you? Mm. You know, you've got to understand that we are in dangerous waters. Yes. There is winds, there is tides, there is currents. There are all kinds of things that can bring us unstuck and wreck our ship, yacht, boat, mm. whatever you want to call it. And uh, um, and <clears throat> and Jesus is a secure anchor where we can simply anchor up to Jesus and it's like, okay, we are safe now. Mm. You know, I've been at sea sometimes when it's been pretty rough out there and it's kind of nice to come into an anchorage and to be able to anchor up or come up onto the mooring and mm. be on the mooring and it's like, ah, that was actually hard work. We can relax yeah. now. <laughs> and you can do that with Jesus. Mm. It's now it's t- time to sit back on the deck and relax because we are anchored to Jesus Christ who is in the sanctuary. Mm. Um and yeah, there's just you know there's there's so, there's so many symbols here because you know this is an anchor that is secure and steadfast. Well, that's an anchor that's gone into rock. The mm. sand anchor is never going to be secure and steadfast, really. It's always going to have its weaknesses. Yeah, that's right. Being the sand, but once it goes into rock, then you can have a secure and steadfast anchor. Mm. Jesus is our rock. Mm. Uh, what is there in the sanctuary? There are two tables of stone. Mm. Rocks. Wow. The law of God. And talk about security that anchors as well. us oh. and gives us security. Mm. What else is there? The Bible says here, uh, enters the presence, enters the presence behind the veil. Yeah. God himself. This is God himself. This is the Shekinah glory. When it talks about the presence, it's talking about the Shekinah glory. Mm. The presence of God himself. You think God is going to let go? Yeah. Talk about being safe, right? Like when any anything not sinless approaches God, it dies. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm. Our high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. There's lots of symbolism that we can look at right here. Let's go back to uh, the beginning of this passage mm. because everything kind of leads up in, in Hebrews chapter 6 to this concept of an anchor that will never move. Mm. Because you go back to the beginning of the passage and things are not so immovable at the beginning of this passage. And Paul really wants to address this. Mm. Particularly the fact that you can untie from the anchor uh, and you can be set adrift. Uh, so why don't you read for us? And we've got to remember that last week we were talking about the fact that Paul is giving them a bit of a hard time because he's like, ah, oh, you guys have just been drinking milk. Mm. Oh, yeah. You're just beginners. He called them dumb. He called he them babies. He did. He, <laughs> he said all of those things. All right, so 
Chapter 6 and verse 1. It says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. And keep going, verse 2. In verse 2, the Bible says, You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, and resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. Okay, all right, let's stop there for a moment. So Paul, Paul just puts it right out there, and he says... We're not, you're not going to have milk here. Mm. So this is the breakfast show. So if you were thinking you're going to have cereal for breakfast, no, we're studying Hebrews this quarter. Yeah, there is no cereal here. Potatoes on toast. This is this is uh, <laughs> this is potatoes. This is baked beans. This is this is a hot breakfast. Yeah. Okay. There's no milk here whatsoever mm. at all in the breakfast show because Paul Paul says, look, you don't need me to talk about these things. Mm. We're not going to talk about these things in this book. We're going to go deep. In the book of Romans, you know, we talked about repentance from dead works. Mm. But here, we're going to go deep, much deeper than what we've gone in the past. Wow. Okay, so that's what is coming up as we continue on through this week. The book of Hebrews is only going to increase. In- You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is The Breakfast Show. Time for the quiz. Before we have the quiz, we have the... Sorry, time for question of the day. Before we have question of the day, we have the answers for the quiz. Okay, so for 100 points, it was the first. It was, you know, in the, in the first day that night was created. Interestingly, the sun, moon, and stars were created on the, the, the third, fourth day. So, oh, contentious. Okay, 200 points. Uh, your neighbor for 300 points. It was Elisha for 400 points. What is truth? And for 500 points, the answer was Rhoda. Rhoda was the uh, the person that left... Peter outside, but right now it is time for question of the day. <laughs> Classic. Got there in the end. Yep, and one of the one of the young Shuttleworth brothers bringing it in. This yep. powerful. All right, our question of the day is: uh, it's from Gavin, and Gavin says a Christian website states Hades refers to the grave, the place where the dead will reside it also refers to the place where the wicked suffer suffer after death it may also be a general term um for the unseen realm of the dead these three descriptions seem contradictory and it confuses me what actually is hades okay good question right uh, first of all you've got hades and sheol uh sheol of course is the old testament uh, sorry the uh, hebrew version of the same word and it simply means the grave the place of the dead mm. That's all it means. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, um, you can read, say, Acts 2.27, because you have, you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. A lot of people read that and assume that when Jesus died, he went to hell. Mm. No, the Bible doesn't say that. It says he went into the grave. You will not leave my, my soul in the grave, neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. In other words, to rot. Mm. It's not going to be there for a long time. Um uh, we've got Acts 2.31 he seeing this before spoke of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell that's the grave neither his flesh did see corruption so you're going to have lots of verses similar to that in the Bible that use the word hell it's translated from Hades and it means the grave that's literally simply what it means but then you're going to have other places 
where and, and what you don't find is this in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that hell is a place of torment and suffering. Mm. Now, the Bible does talk about a place of fire. There's no question about that. There are many passages in the Bible that talk about fire. And so, for instance, uh, Revelation chapter, uh, let me see here, 20 and verse 9, they went up on the surface of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And mm. so here we've got a passage about fire. Mm. And a lot of people assume, okay, whenever the Bible is talking about fire that is going to consume people or that is going to inflict punishment on people, then that's the same thing as hell. But that's actually fire, not Hades that we're talking about. And the reason that people often confuse the two together is because of another word in the New Testament that is also translated as hell. When you read it in English, you don't realize that there are actually two very, very different words that are being used. And so this other word is the word Gehenna. And this one is usually translated as hell fire. Mm. So you have hell in the Bible, which is from Hades, which means the place of the dead or the grave. You have uh, fire in the Bible, which is often used to talk about the destruction and uh, punishment of the wicked. And then you have what's called hell fire. Hell fire comes from the word Gehenna. And so this is a word that brings those two words together. And you'll find it in places like, um, let me see here. Oh, those are the wrong ones. Let me just go. Where are they? They were right here a second ago. Um, Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. If your eye offend you, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life having one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. And so, of course, here we're talking about Gehenna. Mm-hmm. And when the Bible talks about Gehenna, it goes on to say, uh, particularly in Mark, it talks about where, the, how, where in, in hell fire, their worm does not die. Mm. And the fire does not go out. And the reason that Jesus uses the word Gehenna here is because Gehenna was the rubbish dump just outside of Jerusalem. Mm. And so the rubbish dump was a place where many dead bodies of you know, primarily animals, you know, work animals and so forth, but also very poor people from time to time, you know, beggars and so forth would be thrown in there where they would be burnt, eaten by worms and burnt. And it was, you know, Jesus is using that as a symbol of total annihilation. Shake so those are the chain. three you have. This brings us to the end of The Breakfast Show. We have enjoyed your company this morning. We mm-hmm. always enjoy your company here on The Breakfast Show. And because we enjoy your company, we are going to give you something entirely for free. This one goes through to the first call through. Lawson, what's our giveaway today? All right, our giveaway today is a book, um, and it's on very much the topic that we were discussing in the question of the day. It's called Hell, A Final Word, The Surprising Truths I Found in the Bible by Edward William Fudge. Now, this actually inspired a movie, I believe. This this book. There's a there's a movie called Hell and Mr. Fudge. There and is it, indeed, and it's about exploring this topic biblically. What is the deal with hell? What does the Bible actually say? If you would like to know, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call, and we'll give you this book completely for free. Um, we won't need to answer any questions. You won't need to jump through any hurdles. You'll just get it. We'll just give it to you. First call it through. Okay, fantastic, uh, right there, Baptist Preacher um, uh, by, yes, Mr. Fudge himself. And mm. you can get the movie, as you, as you, as you mentioned, a mm. great movie about his life and about his research. He was actually challenged by 
um, a church member to go away and to do exhaustive research on the subject of hell and to come back with a conclusive answer on it. Mm. And so uh, and and so that forced him to do so. And it was amazing what he found that was so different from what we usually just assume in relationship to hellfire. There's a lot of mm. assumptions that is in our world today. And, you know, you can do some of the same Bible courses that uh, Dr. Fudge did. Um, uh, they're available through the Discovery Center uh, right now. Uh, great thing to be doing. Of course, as you go through the day, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.